welcome to Over in Smith, an H.P. Lovecraft podcast where we read the complete works of H.P. Lovecraft. With me and another reader, we commentate on it, but there will also be an audiobook version without that, if you prefer to listen to that. Uh, my name is Faith, and today with me is someone whose face got gnawed off. Jesse! Hi, it hurts. How's your face, dude? I have no face. <laughs> no, none of it. It's being digested right now. <laughs> something I didn't, something no one's seen has, uh, like, just eaten it <laughs> off. Yeah, today we're going to be reading part two of The Lurking Fear. We left off with um, our narrator uh, discovering that his new buddy, his new pal, his new friend, Arthur Monroe, is dead and something bit his face off. This is gone. That was actually like a really graphic reveal for an H.P. Lovecraft story. Yeah, no, it is. It is graphic because, like, it's it, it, like as we said last time, like he, you know, like he does a thing where he describes something in a way that doesn't really describe it to like like your mind kind of go. Yeah, he uses a lot of words, but he still is. It's still like, what the fuck does it look like though? <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, it's just weird. It's just weird. It's like, yo, it's just fate. It's just hate his face. His face. It's just, yeah, he's gone yeah. now. Uh, we were just talking about this before we started recording. I still can't believe that he killed him off already. It's halfway it's through. It's halfway through. He was in there for one chapter, and now he's dead, Arthur Monroe. Uh, wow. You know, one of, one of these days, we're, Arthur Monroe's going to get his face to eight off, and then we're not going to be we're surprised. We're going to be like, saw it coming. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Oh my god, yeah, if they ever make a movie of this, um, I'm going to be like, I know it happens, and it's, it's still going to surprise me. <laughs> it's like in Narnia when, um, what's his face, the lion gets murdered in the first book. Like, I know it's happening, I know it's really sad, and every time I'm like, oh no, how could you do this? Yeah, oh, that's how, that's how it happens, it's like how I always, uh, end up, end up, uh, crying at like certain parts of a movie even though i've watched oh it multiple gosh, times oh my gosh me too i was watching the um it chapter two and like spoiler alert eddie kasprak dies uh i already knew that because i've read the book and i watched the original miniseries i knew he was gonna die and then like he dies in the movie in the second adaptation of the story which i have read before on paper and i was still like Oh no, I can't believe they killed Eddie. <laughs> How could you do this, Stephen King? You've broken my heart for a third time. I will omit this again because because you know I like showing um you know, I like showing that I'm a person. You have emotions. You know, that I'm not perfect. And, yeah. And I have emotions. So I uh remember so in my hero uh academy. Yeah. Or um like Bakugo and Midoriya you know, they have this rivalry thing where, like, Midoriya's like a Bakugo simp, and Bakugo's, <laughs> I, I hate, I hate this fucking nerd oh my simp. God, it's true. I mean, I hate this fucking nerd. <laughs> um, and there's a part where, where, like, Midoriya realizes, hey, I can't just, like, just, like, be, like, just simp for this dude because he just hates me. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the only thing I, I know how to do, cry fight. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and they cry fight and then and then like you know they become like actual rivals and like somewhat like friends like they're like afterwards and like i read that in the manga i'm just like 
man, this is coming up soon. Wow, I'm so excited. That cry the second time, <laughs> Faith. Because there's nothing more that I like a soft boy. The soft boy just like just just like just too just too soft too like soft Bakuyo's boys not soft. smashing against each other. Just just like, you know, just breaking those emotional barriers oh. down. Oh. Uh I have watched Land Before Time probably several dozen times since I was a child. I still cry at least five times during that movie. I could. Well, I hate Littlefoot, so I never cry. (laughs) I always cry when his mom dies. Um, There's like some parts in between with the other dinosaurs that I cry at. I always cry at the end, but especially when his mom dies. Like, I always cry at that part. Even though I know it's coming, I've seen it a million times. It is imprinted in my brain. I will always cry when I see that scene. It's so sad. What always snaps me out is like how like how racist uh, a per uh, how racist a triceratops a triceratops triceratops a triceratops can be. <laughs> like, yeah, that's you know, right. Sarah's dad sucks. That's right, Sarah. <laughs> Fuck. Sarah, Sarah, dad sucks. He's just a big racist that's asshole. That's right. I hate him. Forgot about that. And that's just a thing that just continues through all 40-something movies, which I'm maybe halfway exaggerating <laughs> on that. Just about halfway. I think there was about 20. Yeah. Um, but, like, he's just racist through all of it. I forgot about that. Admittedly, the last time I watched Lambert for Time was at my cousin's wedding. I was two bottles of champagne deep watching my nephews, and they were watching it on a tiny, like, 18 by 18 inch TV with a built in VHS player on a VHS. So I don't remember it very well. <laughs> <laughs> My sister was like, Can you please watch the kids? And I was like, I don't want to do anything. I <laughs> I don't think I can do anything. So yes. <laughs> oh, fuck. I also ate a lot of cake. It was fun. Anyways, um, yeah. There's going to be an adaptation of this story. Arthur Monroe's face is going to get ate off, and I'm still going to be like, oh no, how could this have happened? <laughs> how could they kill him yeah. in one chapter? Oh no. All right. Shall we get this party started? Sure. All right. So this is The Lurking Fear by H.P. Lovecraft. Chapter three What the Red Glare Meant. On the tempest racked night of November 8th, 1921, with a lantern which casts charnel shadows, I stood digging alone and idiotically in the grave of Jan Martens. I had begun to dig in the afternoon because a thunderstorm was brewing, and now that it was dark and the storm had burst above the maniacally thick foliage, I was glad. I believe that my mind was partly unhinged by the events since August 5th. The demon shadow in the mansion the general strain and disappointment, and the thing that had occurred at the hamlet in an October storm. After that thing I had dug a grave for, one whose death I could not understand. I knew that others could not understand either, so I let them think, so let them think Arthur Monroe had wandered away. They searched but found nothing. The squatters might have understood, but I dared not frighten them more. I myself seemed strangely callous. That shock at the mansion had done something to my brain, and I could think only of the quest for horror now grown to cataclysmic stature in my imagination. 
a quest which the fate of Arthur Monroe made me vow to keep silent and solitary. I like how his friend died, and they're like, oh my god, what happened? He's like, I don't know, he just wandered off. I don't know, he just kind of like, you know. He just left. I turned around, just gone. (laughs) They're they're like, did he say where he was going? He's like, no. You didn't stop him? You know what happens during thunderstorms here? And he's like, I'm not a babysitter. (laughs) It's not my job. Well, what am I, what am I, keeper? (laughs) Man, yuck. It's not like we were friends or anything. <laughs> man, man, it'd suck if his face was eaten off. <laughs> I also, I also like how he's like the shock at the mansion had done something to my brain. Oh, buddy, that's called trauma. Welcome, welcome yeah. to the club. I think they would have called it shell shock. Shell shock. Oh yes, this was the 1920s. This was after World War One. Yeah, it would have been shell shock. Yeah, before it was called uh, Suck It Up, You Sissy. <laughs> Why are you crying, you big baby? The scene of my excavations would alone have been enough to unnerve any ordinary man. Baleful primal trees of unholy size, age, and grotesqueness leered above me like the pillars of some hellish druidic temple, muffling the thunder, hushing the claw wind, and admitting but little rain. Beyond the scarred trunks in the background, illuminated by faint flashes of filtered lightning, rose the damp, ivied stones of the deserted mansion. While somewhat nearer was the abandoned Dutch garden, whose walks and beds were polluted by a white, fungus, fetid, overnourished vegetation that never saw full daylight, and the nearest of all was the graveyard where deformed trees tossed insane branches as their roots displayed unhallowed slabs and sucked venom from what lay below. Now and then, beneath the brown pall of leaves that rotted and festered in the antediluvian forest darkness, I could trace the sinister outlines of some of those low mounds which characterized the lightning-pierced region. History had led me to this archaic grave. History, indeed, was all I had after everything else ended in mocking Satanism. I now believe that the lurking fear was no material thing, but a wolfing ghost that rode the midnight lightning. And I believed, because of the masses of local tradition, I had unearthed in my search with Arthur Monroe, the ghost was that of Jan Martens, who died in 1762. That is why I was digging idiotically in his grave. Wait, wait, wait. Uh-huh. You mean the person's house that you're at, where they died all of a yeah. sudden, has a ghost of that person? Whoa. What? You mean, <laughs> what? You mean you shouldn't be digging I... in the grave of the thing that only comes out during thunderstorms? During a thunderstorm? Well, well to be... Well, to be f- to be fair, also like you know, he watched enough Supernatural know that you have to burn <laughs> the body of the ghost. God damn it! Um, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, also, I mean, he is gonna go to Superhome because he was a little gay for for his friend. But <laughs> you can't love anything, or you will go to Turbo Hell. <laughs> it's the rule: only cars go to heaven. <laughs> God damn it. 
the thing that I love about that is the reason why that it ended that way is because like the that everyone just wanted to get off that show <laughs> real bad. Like, so they were just I'm like, "We're so fucking dumb. Please just let it be over." <laughs> we're we're gonna make this so dumb they can't bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I love and hate Supernatural. You taught me so much. I just, I just love that Sam and Dean were bad enough dudes to save the president from oh, Satan. Fuck, that's right. God damn it. God damn it. <sighs> oh my god. <sighs> but yeah, maybe you should just burn this dude's body the second he digs it up. God, did you watch Supernatural? Fuck. Did you learn anything? The Martens Mansion was built in 1670 by Garrett Martens, a wealthy new Amsterdam merchant who disliked the changing order under British rule and had constructed this magnificent domicile on a remote woodland summit, whose untrodden solitude and unusual scenery pleased him. The only substantial disappointment encountered in the site was that which concerned the prevalence of violent thunderstorms in summer. When selecting the hill and building his mansion, Mynheer Martens had laid these frequent natural outbursts to some peculiarity of the year. But in time, he perceived that the locality was especially liable to such phenomena. At length, having found these storms injurious to his health, he fitted up a cellar into which he could retreat from their wildest pandemonium. What is he, a fucking dog? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it all makes sense, though. <laughs> it's not a ghost. It's just a dog who's real scared of the, of the thunderstorms. Yeah, someone get get someone get a thunder He's coat already. Scared. You, yeah, you go put a thunder coat on him. You gotta sit with him, give him like hot dogs and stuff. You know, get 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 some like modify some headphones so you could uh put it over their Aww. ears so they can listen to like nature Aww. noises. Watch some videos on your tablet with them. And give them raspberries is because that's the thing you're supposed to do to pets. <laughs> modern solutions to modern problems. <laughs> Do you got a thunderstorm ghost? Maybe it's just afraid of thunder. <laughs> <laughs> I heard I heard if you get a weighted blanket, it does just oh fine. God, yes. <laughs> oh yes, please. That's the secret to every ghost. Just get it a weighted blanket. Calm right down. Of Garrett Martens's descendants, less is known than of himself, since they were all reared in hatred of the English civilization and trained to shun such of the colonists as accepted it. Their life was exceedingly secluded, and people declared that their isolation had made them heavy of speech and comprehension. In appearance, all were marked by a peculiar inherited dissimilarity of eyes. One- Oh, I read that wrong. Wait, 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 wait. What did that last sentence mean? I read it wrong. <laughs> okay, because I'll just it's be like- dissimilarity. What? Okay, no, but the, of eyes? Of eyes. So they had heterochromatia, they? so their yeah. eyes were different colors. <gasps> okay, I was yeah, just like, did they have the no next line sweat? is um, uh, one generally being blue and the other brown. Okay, I was about to say, do these motherfuckers have no <laughs> eyes? God, can you? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, fuck. Oh. I mean, maybe he's bringing the horror with this <laughs> Jesus. one. Jesus. That would be fucked up. <laughs> Oh my god. Ugh. 
In appearance, all were marked by peculiar inherited dissimilarity of eyes, one generally being blue and the other brown. Their social contacts grew fewer and fewer, till at last they took to intermarrying with the numerous menial class about the estate. Many of the crowded family degenerated, moved across the valley, and merged with the mongrel population, which was later to produce the pitiful squatters. The rest had stuck sullenly to their ancestral mansion, becoming more and more clannish and taciturn, yet developing a nervous responsiveness to the frequent thunder, yet developing a nervous responsiveness to the frequent thunderstorms. This is really funny because um the Habsburgs, the only ones of them who looked fucking normal, are the ones whose parents married outside of their family. Yeah. Also. Did it? Did they just say, "Hey, they they kept on, kept on fucking like their brothers yeah, and sisters, and like some were just like, yo, this it sucks." It seems to be implied that they're kissing cousins going on here. Well, I was gonna say more like fucking cousins, am <laughs> I right? Wait, if you know what I mean. Okay. Oh, no, but God damn it! <laughs> I love that I have this soundboard. It just it, immediately so, any bad joke I make so good. <laughs> it makes any bad joke but, you make but, a great joke. <laughs> but but what like what I'm, what like did like what is what are you trying to say? Yeah, are you saying that fucking your Look cousin makes you um, genetically superior? Because that is not true. No, like you get, that's how you get everyone anemic in your family. Yeah, that's how you destroy <laughs> the royal families of Europe by, you know, marrying your cousin, giving everybody, um, what was, what's it called? Um, what is that? Does, uh, not anemia. One second. <laughs> oh, I can't remember what it is. But you bleed a lot, basically. Yeah. Well, like, so I just don't understand what point he's trying to make with yeah, this, really, this paragraph. Like, uh, you would like, think marrying outside of your family would be a good idea. I mean, unless, I mean, what this was, this was before 1970. So maybe, maybe it's just like, yeah, those Italians over there, oh, the, the fucking Italians oh over God. there. Yuck. Gross. <laughs> Gross. How could you? They, have you heard the way they talk? Um, no, but like, yeah, I can't Hemophilia. Think of, I, I don't That's know. That's what it is. Hemophilia. Hemophilia. Okay. Yeah, you give every royal family in Europe hemophilia, or you produce an heir that um, defies all logic in nature itself and stays alive somehow for like 30 years. Yeah. Charles Habsburg, doctors were like, we don't know how this dude was fucking alive. Um, He is rotted from the inside out. His brain is the size of a walnut. Yeah, HP, maybe don't hang on to that idea. Maybe like I, I wanna I wanna just like take sentences out like not even like like just edit for like edit for just like content just take chunks out and just see how much better the story would be without any of the classes of it like weird eugenics talk. Though honestly, from what it sounds like, uh, the Martenses marrying their cousins did not end well, considering one of them is apparently now a thunder ghost, which sounds rad, but I don't think it actually would be. Yeah. I don't know. I'm see like this. This story has like so many like little good parts, and then I'm just like, what, what the, the hell? Fuck are you does talking that mean, H.P. Lovecraft? <laughs> that's that's another thing. We gotta go back in time. 
uh, give him some therapy, but also be like, excuse me, HP, um, do you see this story? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Were they fucking their cousins? I need you to be like very, uh, I need you to be as blunt as possible when answering this question. I need a yes or a no. <laughs> and I need to know if you're okay with that or not. <laughs> I just have to readjust. My leg is going numb. Okay. Most of this information reached the outside world through young Jan Martens, who's from who from some kind of restlessness joined the colonial army when news of the Albany Convention reached the Tempest Mountain. He was the first of Garrett's descendants to see much of the world, and when he returned in 1760 after six years of campaigning, he was hated as an outsider by his father, uncles, and brothers, in spite of his dissimilar Martens eyes. No longer could he share the peculiarities and prejudices of the Martenses. While the very mountain thunderstorms failed to intoxicate him as they did before, instead his surroundings depressed him, and he frequently wrote to a friend in Albany of plans to leave the paternal roof. In the spring of 1763, Jonathan Gifford, the Albany friend of Jan Martens, became worried by his correspondent's silence especially in view of the conditions and quarrels at the Martens mansion. Determined to visit Jan in person, he went to the mountains on horseback. His diary states that he reached Tempest Mountain on September 20th. Finding the mansion in great decrepitude, the sullen, odd-eyed Martenses, whose unclean animal aspect shocked him, told him in broken gutturals that Jan was dead. He had, they insisted, been struck by lightning the autumn before, and now lay buried behind the neglected, sunken gardens. They shooed the visitor the grave, barren and devoid of markers. Something in the Martenses' manner gave Gifford a feeling of something in the Martenses' manner gave Gifford a feeling of repulsion and suspicion. And a week later, he returned with spade and mattock to explore the sepulchre spot. He found what he expected, a skull crushed cruelly as if by savage blows. So returning to Albany, he openly charged the Martenses with the murder of their kinsmen. Legal evidence was lacking, but the story spread rapidly round the countryside, and from, the, and from that time the Martenses were ostracized by the world. No one would deal with them, and their distant manner was shunned as an accursed place. Somehow they managed to live on independently by the products of their estate, for occasional lights glimpsed from faraway hills attested their continued presence. These lights were seen as late as 1810, but toward the last they became very infrequent. Meanwhile, there grew up about the mansion and the mountain a body of diabolic legendry. The place was avoided and doubled assiduousness and invested with every whispered myth tradition could supply. It remained unvisited until 1816, when the continued absence of lights was noticed by the squatters. At that time, a party made investigations, finding the house deserted and partly in ruins. There were no skeletons about, so that departure rather than death was inferred. The clan seemed to have left several years before, and improvised penthouses 
shewed about how numerous it had grown prior to its migration. Its cultural level had fallen very low, as proved by decaying furniture and scattered silverware, which must have been long abandoned when its owners left. But through the but through the dreaded Martenses, but though the dreaded Martenses were gone, the fear of the haunted house continued and grew very acute when new and strange stories arose among the mountain descendants. There it still stood on the night I dug in Jan Martens's grave. I like how they're like, oh yeah, they became incredibly uncultured. They didn't even use spoons. We know. I hear they eat soup with forks. <laughs> I hear they just use their hands. They don't even use bowls. You just take a layer and scoop it into their hands. To be fair, I have I have eaten soup with a ladle before, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that seems more practical. Just drink it out of the ladle, but no, I mean like somebody made a bowl with their hands and they scooped <laughs> with that ladle into their hands. They're like, there you go, there's your soup for the day. Goodbye. <laughs> you know what? That is very uncultured. You know what? I agree with you, <laughs> How- Lovecraft. They deserved everything that happened. <laughs> That's what happens when you marry your cousins. You're drinking soup out of your hands. <laughs> One minute you're like, we need to preserve the bloodline. Next thing you know, you're like, mm, my hands are burning. But this soup sure is tasty. <laughs> <laughs> it's a straight line between those two things. <laughs> yep. I have described my protracted digging as idiotic. And such it indeed was an object and method. The coffin of Jan Martens had soon been unearthed. Now it held only dust and nitre. But in my fury to exhume his ghost, I delved irrationally and clumsily down beneath where he had lain. God knows what I had expected to find. I only felt that I was digging in the grave of a man whose ghost stalked by night. Okay, 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 get this, okay. This is the nexus point for a, a, for a fanfic where, turns out, the person from the Hound that they dug into oh the grave of. Oh my god! Is there, and then the ghost and the hound thing, they like, they meet up, and then you have the two H.P. Lovecraft stand-ins. Like the spooky, like the spooky, uh, the spooky emo adult. Oh. And this guy, they have to team oh, up. Oh, and they're both like, to, they're to both die. like, did your friend die? Yeah, did your friend die? Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you have a really oddly homoerotic situation oh, with them? Yes. But you won't admit it because it's eighteen hundred uh, because late nineteen hundreds. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! It's like all the castle boys meeting up. Oh, it's exactly what I want. And then the two ghosts meet, and then they become friends. It's a great time. Yep. Hey, were you dig? Do you like digging graves in the middle of the night? Oh boy, sure. I, I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> They meet on a Facebook page specifically for that hobby. Well, he did say that he was, um, like, his whole thing is that he investigates, like, horrors and hauntings about the country. And the other dude was like, yo, you know what I love? Goth stuff. You know what's goth? Dead stuff. And other spooky things. So they would really get along. Well, the thing is, I like, I like the, I like the, the spooky goth boy. I do too. He's very fun. He's very goth. Like, you know, like he look, was really, really goth. He went full hog into that. Yeah, so I, I would, I, I like that one more. This one seems like, you know, just come on. Just like, get some eyeliner already. You know, it's <laughs> Just okay. wear some eyeliner. Just wear all black. Who 
cares? Just do it already. already. Just live your life to the fullest. Yeah. Put on your eyeliner and have a great fucking time. Dig that grave. No. You know, listen listen to listen to three cheers for sweet revenge. <laughs> oh damn it. Oh yes. It all it would also be a song fic, the fanfic. Oh, oh of course. Like you'd have uh they'd be listen listening to um uh what song would be a good song to gr- dig a grave to off of three cheers for sweet revenge? I think Cemetery Drive that... when they're digging. <laughs> I mean, oh. obviously. And no, that's too on the nose. <laughs> that's too, too on the easy. Nose. Okay, okay, here's it. It's not a fashion statement. It's a fucking yes. I think that would Oh, be that'd one. be perfect. It'd be a pretty good one, I think. Okay, sorry. We got it. <laughs> <We're> sorry, <laughs> we had to perfect our, our song for our fanfic for these two obscure H.P. Lovecraft um, characters who don't even have names, by the way. They're just narrators. They are described yeah. extensively, but their names are never given. Yeah. And they also both happen to, uh, they also both happen to be H.P. Lovecraft stand-ins. <laughs> Definitely not H.P. Lovecraft, but with eyeliner. Yes. <laughs> like, okay, okay, here, okay, sorry. Here, here's, here's the <laughs> stuff. Okay, if I had, if I had a time machine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, you know. Sorry. <laughs> beginning of that. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I want to hear this. Okay. Okay, remember that really crappy, uh, crappy thing that Bendis did with uh, when he was writing X Men, um, where he went back, where Beast went back in time and took the original O five oh, X Men and yes. as kids, so they could be raised by someone not by Xavier, yes. so maybe they can get a better chance. Okay, at life. yes, yeah, um, I do remember. Uh, okay, we do that with Lovecraft. Okay, <laughs> we st- <laughs> we still nurture, you know, we still nurture like you know the love of writing and everything. But we just let him be an emo kid in the early 2000s. We just let him be who he really is. Yeah. Also, we're in one of those timelines where, like, the stuff in the past happens until, you know, until stuff changes. Yeah. You know? So we create a whole uh, new um, timeline by letting H.P. Lovecraft wear eyeliner. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> I like how we're spending okay. our, like, time travel, like, currency just to teach H.P. Lovecraft how to love himself. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it would have been a little bit better. Also, like, I feel like if we bring him into the future, if bring him to the future, like, you know, maybe get like less, uh, less shitty about the Italians mostly <laughs> and the Poles. <laughs> you would hope. I mean, I mean, like, maybe he would at least see them as white, you know, so it's all like, oh, I don't hate all Europeans because some of them are okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if we could, like, make him, like, a little less shitty, I'm not going to say, like, you know, make him anti-racist, Listen, we can't, like, immediately. Like, uh, we'll draw a line. Like, there's only so much you can do for for him. You know, I'll, I'll I'll do the same line that I have with, like, my older grandparents, where, like, at least they're not, at least they're not calling my, uh, my black aunt a jigaboo. You know. <laughs> you know, I'll draw the line at some point. <laughs> I'll be like, you know, you get the racist grandma that is repulsive. treatment, you know, you're trying. Uh, yep, you're trying. W- we'll start fair, with that's, Italians. That's better than her calling her Negro. We're, we'll start with Italians, and then maybe we'll, we will get to African Americans. <laughs> <laughs> One of these. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, but we're not, it's okay if we don't. <laughs> you know, like, it's going to be real hard to explain non-binary people, but you know. 
We'll, we'll give them the whole, you know, imagine that I have a bunch of bees with me, Hawk. <laughs> Non-bibinary. <laughs> you see, being Nebraska, <laughs> there are multitudes so of grendels. <laughs> sometimes people want to be Sonic, and sometimes people want to be Knuckles, and sometimes people don't want to be either. <laughs> so they're never winner nights. I, no, I, I would... Uh, the th- one of the w- one thing that I like a lot is uh, someone's dad who's trying really hard with their non-binary uh, kid. It's just like, okay, so just imagine I have a swarm of bees with me all the time, oh my God. <laughs> and that's how they get them to say they them. <laughs> I love it. You're just you're just swarm from Marvel Comics. Oh, well, I mean, minus not, the Nazi minus bees. the Nazi. You're 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 sworn, but if they were non-binary, not a fucking Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't. I mean, I mean, you know, Nazis can be non-binary. Oh yeah, too. they can. It is impossible to say what monstrous depth I attained when my spade. Oh gosh, it is impossible to say what monstrous depth I had attained when my spade. Okay, I'm reading that right. It looks. It's such a weird. Okay, I get it. Okay. I attained when my spade, and soon my feet, broke through the ground underneath. The event, under the circumstances, was tremendous. For, in the existence of a subterranean space here, my mad theories had terrible confirmation. My slight fall had extinguished the lantern, but I produced an electric pocket lamp, and viewed the small horizontal tunnel which led away indefinitely in both directions. It was aptly large enough for a man to wiggle through, and though no sane person would have tried it at that time, I forgot danger, reason, and cleanliness in my single-minded fever to unearth the lurking fear. Choosing the direct- Okay, okay. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. For a moment there, just like, no one knows how far it's been since my spade hit the ground while I was digging in this grave. I'm just like, I don't know, maybe about six foot. <laughs> then, <laughs> then, he fell through. <laughs> I like how he said cleanliness. He's like, yeah, I'm not washing my hands after this. <laughs> Take that. And then I'm going to touch I'm everything. I'm going to lick your face. <laughs> I've, lost, I've lost all control over my life, and therefore, I will no longer be washing my hands. <laughs> oh, he truly is depressed. Oh, buddy, I know how that is. It's okay. You go down your endless uh your endless cave. You do what you got to do. Choosing the direction towards the house, I scrambled recklessly into the narrow burrow, squirming ahead blindly and rapidly, and flashing but seldom the lamp I kept before me. What language can describe the spectacle of a man Lost in infinitely abysmal earth, pawing, twisting, wheezing, scrambling madly through sucken convolutions of immemorial blackness, without an idea of time, safety, direction, or definite object, there is something hideous in it. But that is what I did. I did it for so long, life faded to a far memory, and I became one with the moles and grubs of nighted depths. Indeed, it was only by accident that after indeterminable writhings, I jarred my forgotten electric lamp alight, 
so that it shone eerily along the burrow of caked loam that stretched and curved ahead. I had been scrambling in this way for some time, so that my battery had burned very low, when the passage suddenly inclined sharply upward, altering my mode of progress, and as I raised my glance it was without preparation that I saw glistening in the distance two demonic reflections of my expiring lamp. Oh wait, okay, good, I did read that right. Two reflections glowing in a baneful and unmistakable effulgence, and provoking maddeningly nebulous memories. I stopped automatically, though lacking the brain to retreat. The eyes approached, yet of the thing that bore them I could distinguish only a claw. But what a claw! Then, far overhead- Man, what a what claw! What a claw! Hello, claw! Get a load of that claw! Who? <laughs> 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 oh boy, that sure is a claw! <laughs> Aruga, Aruga, hamada, hamada, hamada. <laughs> I love this. God damn it, HP Lovecraft. <laughs> You had me done <laughs> You really had. <sighs> then far overhead, I heard a faint crashing, which I recognized. It was the wild thunder of the mountain. Raised to hysteric fury, I must have been crawling upwards for some time, so that the surface is now quite near. And as the muffled thunder clattered, those eyes still stared with vacuous viciousness. God, I did not then know what it was. Else I should have died, but I was saved by the very thunder that had summoned it. For under, for after a hideous wait, there burst from the unseen outside sky one of those frequent mountainward bolts, whose aftermath I had noticed here and there, as gashes of disturbed earth and fulgurites of various sizes. With cyclopean rage, it tore through the soil above that damnable pit blinding and deafening me, yet not wholly reducing me into a coma. In the chaos of sliding, shifting earth, I clawed and floundered helplessly till the rain on my head steadied me, and I saw that I had come to the surface, in a familiar spot, a steep, unforested place on the southward slope of the mountain. Recurrent sheet lightnings illumined the tumbled ground, and the remains of the curious low hummock which had stretched down from the wooded higher slope, but there was nothing in the chaos to shew my place of egress from the lethal catacomb. My brain was as great a chaos as the earth, and as a distant red glare burst on the landscape from the south, I hardly realized the horror I had been through. But when two days later the squatters told me what the red glare meant, I felt more horror than that which the mold burrow and the claws I felt more horror ugh. I felt more horror than that which the mold burrow and the claw and eyes had given more horror because of the overwhelming implications in a hamlet twenty miles away an orgy of fear had followed the bolt which brought me above ground and a nameless thing had dropped from an overhanging tree into a weak roofed cabin. It had done a deed, but the squatters had fired 
the cabin in frenzy before it could escape. It had been doing that deed at the very moment the earth caved in on the thing with the claw and eyes. Lovely. Uh, I think we have mole people. Wait, is that what happens when you inbreed for Yeah, that's what happens when you marry cousins. Uh, You you make make mole mole people. people. Okay. Okay, okay, I can, I can, I can deal with that. <laughs> You're like, okay, it's fine then. <laughs> yeah, Whatever. You know. Chapter four, the horror in the eyes. There can be nothing normal in the mind of one who, knowing what I knew of the horrors of Tempest Mountain, would seek alone for the fear that lurked there. That at least two of the fear's embodiments were destroyed formed but a slight guarantee of mental and physical safety in these in this archeron of multiform diabolism. Yet I continued my quest with even greater zeal as events and revelations became more monstrous. When, two days after my frightful crawl through the crypt of the eyes and claw, I learned that a thing had malignly hovered twenty miles away at the same instant the eyes were glaring at me. I experience virtual convulsions of fright. Oh, wait. Okay. Question. Yes. Okay. So virtual, co- virtual compulsions of fright. Wouldn't that just be like you just being afraid yeah. in your head? Just say you're scared. I don't. I mean, I understand. I, we say, you know, we we, we like was, his was, writing style scared. for the most part, but you know. But that one was just like, you know, like, you know, maybe you don't have to do it that time. That would that would was pretentious. I'll I say. guess you you can't really <laughs> see the words malignly hovered twenty miles away at the same instant the eyes were glared at me. And it was Will Scowy. It was so scowy. <laughs> it was so scowed. Oh I'm so scared. It was right so scowy. I was real scary. I was frightened. <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't really fit the tone of the previous sentence. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There has to be an uwu version of uh, Lovecraft stories. Uh, had Mawaiwi Howard 20 miles away at the same instant the eyes were glowing at me. I experienced <laughs> virtual convulsions of white. <laughs> <laughs> So would I mean some might say that that doesn't uh, convey a lot of uh, fear, <laughs> but to me it does. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, flight, <laughs> not dead. <laughs> Malign we? <laughs> oh God! A woo voice it just adds quality on the anything. <laughs> <clears throat> Man, imagine you know uwu voice came from uh, from America Nuke uh, Japan. It's a straight line. It's just a straight line. It's a straight line from uh, <laughs> that, that tragedy. To me reading H.P. Lovecraft in the uwu voice. It's just the horror in if we the never, eyes. <laughs> if, if if we didn't occupy Japan and introduce American cartoons, we would have never never gotten it. <laughs> This this is <laughs> God damn it. It's so uh, dumb. <laughs> we live in the dumbest time. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I experienced virtual convulsion of fright. But that fright was so mixed with wonder and alluring grotesqueness 
that it was almost a pleasant sensation, sometimes in the throes of a nightmare, when unseen powers whirl one over the roofs of strange dead cities toward the grinning chasm of Nice. It is a relief, and even a delight, to shriek wildly and throw oneself voluntarily along with the hideous vortex of dream doom into whatever bottomless gulf may yawn. He, he's just describing him a fear partner. <laughs> he really is. Man, you're right. This dude would really get along with the uh, with the dude from The Hound. Like, like, it's just like, yo, sometimes, you know, it just feels good. You know, sometimes when you're scared, it feels good to kind of sometimes feel it. Sometimes you, know? you just gotta shriek wildly <laughs> and throw yourself into that dream doom. And the other guy is like, I know what you mean. Let's go dig up a grave. And then they, yeah. do, oh. and then they do manicures afterwards. Yeah. It's great. I know it is pretty good. <laughs> um, but no, no. And, you know, by fear bone, I don't mean like an actual boner. I just mean, you know, like, you know, just enjoying the fear. You, you yeah, know? it's it's a, it's a bad feeling, but somehow you're also like, hell yeah. <laughs> it's like when you it's like when you poke a bruise. Over and over again. And so it was with the waking nightmare of Tempest Mountain. The discovery that two monsters had haunted the spot gave me ultimately a mad craving to plunge into the very earth of the accursed region. And with bare hands dig out the death that leered from every inch of the poisonous soil. As soon as possible, I visited the grave of Janmar Tents and dug vainly where I had dug before. Some extensive cave-in had obliterated all trace of the underground passage, while the rain had washed so much earth back into the excavation that I could not tell how deeply I had dug the other day. I likewise made a difficult trip to the distant hamlet where the death creature had been burnt and was, liter and was little repaid for my trouble. In the ashes of the fateful cabin, I found several bones, but apparently none of the monsters. The squatters said the thing had only one victim, but in this I judged them inaccurate, since besides the complete skull of a human being, there was another bony fragment, which seemed certainly to have belonged to a human skull at some time. Though the rapid drop of the monster had been seen, no one could say just what the creature was like. Those who had glimpsed it called it simply a devil. Examining the great tree where it had lurked, I could discern no distinctive marks. I tried to find some trail into the black forest, but on this occasion could not stand the sight of those morbidly large bulls, or of those vast serpent-like roots that twisted so malevolently before they sank into the earth. My next step was to re-examine with microscopic care the deserted hamlet where death had come most abundantly and where Arthur Monroe had seen something he never lived to describe. Though my vain previous searches had been exceedingly minute, I now had a new data to test, for my horrible grave crawl convinced me that at least one of the phases of the monstrosity had been an underground creature. This time, on the 14th of November, my quest concerned itself mostly with the slopes of Cone Mountain and Maple Hill where they overlook the unfortunate hamlet, and I gave particular attention to the loose earth of the landslide region on the latter eminence. The afternoon of my search brought nothing to light, and dusk came as I stood on Maple Hill 
looking down at the hamlet and across the valley to Tempest Mountain. There had been a gorgeous sunset, and now the moon came up nearly full and shedding a silver flood over the plain. The distant mountainside and the curious low mounds that rose there and here, it was a peaceful Arcadian scene, but knowing what it hid, I hated it. I hated the mocking moon, the hypocritical plain, the festering mountain, and those sinister mounds. Everything seemed to me tainted with a loathsome contagion and inspired by noxious alliance with distorted hidden power. Yeah, fuck those mountains. <laughs> I feel like I feel like another thing I would do if I had a time machine is I would just like teach Lovecraft to not hate the moon as much. Like, you really, he really this motherfucker he hates really the moon. Does not like the moon. Like like if there's one common theme that we have, it's it's just everyone hates the moon in Lovecraft story. Well, I really just, do. Like I, I like it. You know, it's kind of sitting up there. It doesn't hurt my eyes when I stare at it. <laughs> Always a plus. Great. <laughs> I can appreciate anything I can look at without damaging my retinas. <sighs> yeah, it does not like the moon. I mean, in that one story, it did turn people into frog. But that's not the worst thing that could happen to you. Now you're a frog. You could be turned oh, into horses. That. Like, that no. sucks. I know. I'll be a frog any day. I will never be a fucking horse. Yeah. Yeah, fuck horses. Horses <laughs> suck. You know what's better than horses? I think I will always say for the rest of my what? life. Bears. Bears are oh, wonderful. Oh, yes, we've talked about uh, riding bears before. Yeah. I agree. Like, also, buffalo. 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 We could have had so much. Yeah. So much. We could have. We could have had it all. <laughs> Rolling in the deep. <laughs> if I had a time machine, I'd go back in time, kill all the horses. <laughs> and then H.P. Lovecraft that it's okay to wear eyeliner and you don't have to hate the moon. Exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the first thing, like the thing that like laid the egg that turned into a horse at some point. Like, I'm just gonna kill it, like right there. <laughs> the thing that laid an egg that became a horse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I know how evolution works. You have to you have to get the thing that crawled out of the ocean that turned into a horse. <laughs> it might kill the rest of <laughs> evolution on Earth. But by God, those fucking horses won't be around anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'd be doing everyone a favor. It, Either we're going to be gone. Listen, it's a sacrifice I'm willing to accept. <laughs> we're going to get rid of all horses. <laughs> I'm willing to end my own existence so that horses never evolved into existence. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to ride bears and buffalo if it kills me. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's the last thing I do. Presently, as I gazed abstractly at the moonlit panorama, my eye began attracted by something singular in the nature and arrangement of a certain topographical element. Without having any exact knowledge of geology, I had from the first been interested in the, the odd mounds and the hummocks of the region. I had noticed that they were widely distributed around Tempest Mountain, though less numerous on the plain and near the hilltop itself where prehistoric glaciation had doubtless found feebler opposition to its striking and fantastic caprices. Now, in the light of that low moon which had cast long, weird shadows, it struck me forcibly that the various points and lines of the mound system 
had a peculiar relation to the summit of Tempest Mountain. That summit was undeniably a center from which the lines or rows of points radiated indefinitely and irregularly, as if the unwholesome Martens mansion had thrown visible tentacles of terror. The idea of such tentacles gave me an unexplained thrill, and I stopped to analyze my reason for believing these mounds glacial phenomena. <laughs> Sorry, the tentacles gave me unexplained thrill. Almost <laughs> threw me off. I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, you can, you can, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah. It's just, I really wasn't. We, we all have our things. It's like when we get, uh, whenever we read undulating in one of these stories, it's just, it's not something you expect sometimes. <laughs> the more I analyzed, the less I believed, and against my newly opened mind, there began to be grotesque and horrible analogies based on superficial aspects. And upon my experience beneath the earth, before I knew it, I was uttering frenzied and disjointed words to myself. My god, molehills, the damn place must be honeycomb. How many, that night at the mansion, they took Bennett and Toby first, on each side of us. Then I was digging frantically into the mound which had stretched nearest me, digging desperately, shiveringly, but almost jubilantly, digging and at last shrieking aloud, with some unplaced emotion, as I came upon a tunnel or burrow, just like the one through, through which I had crawled on that other demonic night. After that, I recall running, spade in hand, a hideous run across moonlitten mound-marked meadows, and though diseased, precipitous abysses of haunted hillside forest, leaping, screaming, panting, Bounding towards the terrible Martens mansion, I recall digging unreasonably in all parts of the briar-choked cellar, digging to find the core and center of that malignant universe of mounds. And then I recall how I laughed when I stumbled on the passageway, the hole at the base of the old chimney, where the thick weeds grew and cast queer shadows on the light of the lone candle. I had had Wait, how can you tell a shadow's gay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it sucks your it sucks your dick. <laughs> That's how you tell. <laughs> or you just ask it. It's like, yo, are, are you like gay or something? Yeah, I'm I'm your shadow. What? <laughs> it's wearing a it's it's wearing a pride pin. <laughs> That's how you can tell. You're like, oh, nice pride pin. And they're okay. like, yeah, thanks. Now, by the way, I'm your shadow. What? What, what did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody told me about this. Where the thick weeds grew and cast queer shadows in the light of the lone candle I'd happened to have with me, would still remain down in the hell hive lurking and waiting for the thunder to arouse it, I did not know. Two had been killed. Perhaps that had finished it. But still there remained that burning determination to reach the innermost secret of the fear, which I had once more come to deem definite, material, and organic. I do like that he has changed his mind. He's like, it's a fucking ghost! And now he's like, no, it, it had it had that, that claw. 
That real good looking claw. <laughs> well, maybe, like, I mean, he's on the It's a Mole it's People, people. front now, right? It's some. Well, what if it was a ghost of a mole person? <laughs> oh, I would not see that coming. <laughs> a ghost of a mole person. Oh, I want that to be a 1950s B movie. So bad. The ghost of the mole person. Whoa. Brought to you in Technicolor. My indecisive speculation whether to explore the passage alone and immediately. Oh, okay. I did read that right. My indecisive speculation whether to explore the passage alone and immediately with my pocket light or to try and assemble a band of squatters for the quest was interrupted after a time by a sudden rush of wind from outside, which blew out the candle and left me in stark blackness. The moon no longer shone through the chinks in apparatuses above me, and with a sense of fateful alarm, I heard the sinister and significant rumble of approaching thunder. A confusion of associated ideas possessed my brain, leading me to grope back towards the farthest corner of the cellar. My eyes, however, never turned away from the horrible opening at the base of the chimney, and I began to get glimpses of the crumbling bricks and unhealthy weeds as, a faint, as faint glows of lightning penetrated the woods outside and illuminated the chinks in the upper wall. Every second I was consumed with a mixture of fear and curiosity. What would the storm call forth, or was there anything left for it to call? Guided by a lightning flash, I settled myself down behind a dense clump of vegetation, through which I could see openings without being seen. If heaven is merciful, it will someday efface from my consciousness the sight that I saw, and let me live my last years in peace. I cannot sleep at night now, and have to take opiates when it thunders. The thing came abruptly and unannounced. A demon, rat-like scurrying from pits remote and unimaginable. A hellish panting and stifled grunting, and then from that opening beneath the chimney, a burst of multitudinous and leprous life. A loathsome night-spawned flood of organic corruption, more devastatingly hideous than the blackest conjurations of mortal madness and morbidity. Seething, stewing, surging, bubbling like serpent slime, it rolled up and out of that yawning hole, spreading like a septic contagion, and streaming from the cellar at every point of egress. Streaming out to scatter through the accursed midnight forests and strew fear, madness, and death. God knows how many there were. There must have been thousands. To see the stream of them in that faint intermittent lightning was shocking. When they had thinned out enough to be glimpsed as separate organi- When they had thinned out enough to be glimpsed as separate organisms, I saw that they were dwarfed, deformed, heavy- Deformed hairy devils or apes, monstrous and diabolic caricatures of the monkey tribe. They were so hideously silent. There was hardly a squeal when one of the last stragglers turned with the skill of long practice to make a meal in a custom fashion on a weaker companion. Others snapped up what it left and ate with slavering relish. Then, in spite of my days of fright and disgust, 
my morbid curiosity triumphed, and as the last of the monstrosities oozed up alone from the netherworld of unknown nightmares, I drew my automatic pistol and shot it under the cover of thunder. And then I got my cat out. Sorry. Harry, are you ready to learn the more dangerous spell? Behold, a gun. I love it. To, to, to get past me, you must answer my riddle three. First riddle, this gun. <laughs> get the fuck out. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, <laughs> this god. gun. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Oh, it's so good. Shrieking, slithering, torrential shadows of red viscous madness chasing one another through endless, ensanguined corridors of purple, fulgurous sky, formless phantasms and kaleidoscopic mutations of a ghoulish remembered scene, forests of monstrous, overnourished oaks with serpent roots, twisting and sucking unnameable juices from an earth verminous with millions of cannibal devils, mound-like to- that, That's- <laughs> they're just like- that's, that's just a blow drop, right? <laughs> just blow drop? Are they talking about blowies right now? They're talking about blowies right now. <laughs> like, hey. like, like, does, does he, does he want, does he want to fuck the air? Is, is this the kid from the tomb, but grown up? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I want to fuck that tree. No, he'd be really into the rat okay. people too. Okay, okay. So get this: you take what you just said right uh-huh. there. And put it uh, put it on like a like a sexy background, <laughs> like you know, of like someone about to go down or something. I'd be like, yo, this is you know, we got it. You know, this is what this is what's gonna make everyone be like, wow, what's that? What's that from? <laughs> That's a real spooky way to describe Blowy. <laughs> this is this is how we get people to like H.P. Lovecraft again. <laughs> we like, look how many ways ooh. you can. Look how many ways you can describe a blowy in like with like fifty Ooh, words. Listen to this real spooky blowjob. <laughs> Ooh, uh, mound-like tentacles groping from underground nuclei of polypus perversion, insane lightning over malignant ivied walls and demon arcades choked with fungus vegetation. Heaven be thanked for the instinct which led me unconscious to places where men dwell, to the peaceful village that slept under the calm stars of clearing skies. I had recovered enough in a week to send to Albany for a gang of men to blow up the Martens mansion and the entire top of Tempest Mountain with dynamite, stop up all the discoverable mound burrows, and destroy certain overnourished trees whose very existence seemed to insult sanity. I could sleep. So, so they're just describing uh, the coal industry's uh, idea of what to do with uh, the Appalachia. Yeah. yeah, just blow up the mount. Just, just blow up the mountain. Just you know? blow up the just mountain. Just do it. Really, they should have. <laughs> they should have used the mole person excuse. Then people would have been like, "Oh, you know what? Scott be done." Or, or, or the, we're listening to Joe Biden talk right now, <laughs> and they're very pro 
fracking. <laughs> oh god damn it. <laughs> It's like it's like, hey, um, why you gotta blow up the mountain? Is it for the coal? No, there's mole people. Oh, okay, <laughs> I get it. Okay, bye. <laughs> really, just Man, just say just... there's mole people. People will just leave you alone. <laughs> why? Why are yeah. you fracking? Isn't that just bad for the environment? There's mole people. Yeah, there's a bunch of mole people. Have you seen it? Look, look, look at look them. at them. Look. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you know it. Sure. <laughs> um. Stop up all the discoverable mound burrows and destroy certain overnourished trees whose very existence seemed to insult sanity. I could sleep a little after they had done this, but true rest will never come as long as I remember the nameless secret of the lurking fear. The thing will haunt me, for who can say the extermination is complete, and that analogous phenomena do not exist all over the world? Who can, with my knowledge, Think of the Earth's unknown caverns without a nightmare dread of future possibilities. I cannot see a well or a subway entrance without shuddering. Why cannot the doctors give me something to make me sleep or truly calm my brain when it thunders? What I saw in the glow of my flashlight after I shot the unspeakable, straggling object was so simple that almost a minute... El oh, this is actually minute. It's not minute this time. The unspeakable straggling object was so simple that almost a minute elapsed before I understood and went delirious. The object was nauseous, a filthy whitish gorilla thing, with sharp yellow fangs and matted fur. It was the ultimate product of mammalian degeneration. The frightful outcome of isolated spawning, multiplication, and cannibal nutrition above and below the ground. The embodiment of all the snarling chaos and grinning fear that lurked behind life. It had looked at me as it died, and its eyes had the same odd quality that marked those other eyes, which had stared at me underground in excited cloudy recollections. One eye was blue, the other brown. They were dissimilar Martens eyes of the old legends, and I knew in one inundating cataclysm of voiceless horror what had become of that vanished family? The terrible and thunder-crazed house of Martens. The end. Okay, so, I have a question. Maybe maybe I just, I missed something. But did the Martens just, like, fuck until they, they made, they made mold people? Yeah. It's, okay. You know, I'm not against, I'm not against this inbreeding anymore, you know? <laughs> You're like, like yes. people. You know what, if you make mold people, it's fine. <laughs> sure, let's do it. You know, let's, let's get this. Oh, well, sorry, not not to you, Faith, because you're too genetically different than me. <laughs> but <laughs> I gotta go find somebody with blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but let's make more people. Let's do it. <laughs> That's a good. That would be a great. That would be such a great pickup line to say at, <laughs> at a family reunion. <laughs> hey, hey, you want to go make some more people? <laughs> Why don't we go back to my place and make some mole people? <laughs> it's what you say to the cousin that you had a crush on for a long time because they're hot, but like you never uh, see them. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> By the way, in some places, it was literally impossible for me to date anyone that wasn't my oh cousin. Oh my god! And it was so disappointing every single time. Be like, oh, what? What their? What's? What's her last name? Oh yeah, she's probably your second oh, cousin. No. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah, I'm afraid of dating within Montana because um, my grandmother had nine siblings and my dad doesn't know any of his cousins. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, it's fun. Oh boy. It's, it's, it's there is fun. an app in Iceland uh, that tells you if you're dating like your fifth cousin or not. I feel like I feel like if I was Iceland, I'd just like I okay, this is gonna sound mm, okay. Let me let me say this in the most <laughs> generous way. Please, everyone listening. <laughs> I feel like Iceland needs to uh, like pay some brown people, you know, just get up in some guts <laughs> in there, you know? Oh my so, like, god. You know, like we'll give you citizenship, just it's, like it's, it just ejects some difference so, differences into so our you genetics. Wanna, you want to reverse <laughs> ethnostate Iceland? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to reverse ethnostate. Like, I, I don't know how to say it without it sounding bad. With uh, <laughs> like, but, miscegenation. You know, like, just, like, like, it's not enforced. Technically, like Iceland is like, yo, we'll give you socialized, uh, socialized health care. Technically, like, you don't also, have to fuck them. <laughs> Technically, but you know, be like, yo, if you know, if you happen to be a brown person or someone who isn't as white as we are, you know, like maybe, you know, let's let's get some different oh, cousins, you know. <laughs> please come to our country. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I will offer my services, Iceland. Dear Iceland. <laughs> it's me. Someone completely genetically different from you. <laughs> you want to go to Pound Town? <laughs> All of Iceland. <laughs> Dear Iceland, do you want to make some not mole people? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's what I'm saying. I like you know. it. Yeah, Iceland like, should just pay you to go live there. I, mean, I, feel, I feel like it wouldn't be... Again, please take this in the most generous way, but I don't think it would be against the national ethos to be like hey, hey you know if you want to if you want to just leave america completely if you want to introduce f- new genetics off from america <laughs> <to> our- <laughs> and, you, and <laughs> you just want to slam some icelandic hotties <laughs> yeah like you know there you-, you know i'll learn icelandic i i think it's a joke language <laughs> but i'll learn it everything, you know i'm i'm in everything on the joke. looks like a key smash but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> I've said up multiple times that the idea of the Icelandic is a joke for uh, on it's, everyone, it's but like, you know, I'll take that it's back. It's like Welsh. <laughs> Welsh also looks like a key smash. But like, but yeah, okay. So I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I I want. I feel. I feel. I feel like that's like edging on not a great thing to say, but also, <laughs> also. you know. You know, I'm sure there's some kind of Icelandic like PR thing brewing. That's exactly that. That is like, please move to Iceland. Um, <laughs> please, <laughs> we would like some diversity in our gene pool. Yeah. Also, you so, have to believe in elves. Uh, and there's a and there's I'm already mostly and there, there is a volcano. Cool. I'm I'm all about that. Maybe after maybe after. Maybe when I'm done living in Iceland, I can just yeet myself into the volcano. Oh, also, you know? cool. um, it is yeah. it will be just pitch black for like uh, a month out of the year. No, that's okay. fine. <laughs> if you're okay with that, that's no, what like really I'm... matters. Yeah, I remember watching a video and they're like, yeah, in Iceland, you hardly get any sun. So you have to take vitamin D uh, supplements. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I mean, that's just my everyday life. <laughs> 
I've barely left. I've barely left my room in the last seven months. I got so, my. You know, I got cool. my um, vitamin D ran last time. I got my blood drawn, and <laughs> my te- my doctor was like, "Holy fuck! <laughs> Here are some you you need to take th- this fifty thousand unit vitamin D supplement because your vitamin D is so low. I don't know how you're not just falling apart at the seams." By the way, the average daily um, vitamin D supplement is like 5,000 to 7,000 units. My doctor was like, you need to take this thing that is 10 times more than that. (laughs) Please, for the love of God, just go outside. But I don't. You know what? I refuse. Yep. (sighs) All right. Well, this was fun. Um, I wasn't expecting mole people from H.P. Lovecraft. And I don't know why it's exactly his thing. I don't think we ever rank the hound. Did we not rank the hound? Okay. I don't think we rank right. the hound. Because I know it's not under old bugs. I don't know. Oh, no, that. it is not under old bugs. I thought we did. Never. Okay. Maybe we didn't. Um, I guess we can do a double HP list craft. A listomania. Think let's put it grow. Okay. So I guess we're going to put. I'm going to also put uh, the lurking fear on the here. Lurking fear, the hound, two goth stories. Okay, so, so the hound. Yes. Uh, like, I don't know. I kind of want to put it like above the beyond the wall. Yeah, asleep. I would. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know. I don't think it's better than Herbert no. West. It's definitely not better than the other no, gods. No, it's definitely not. Okay, cool. That, that one was an <laughs> yeah. easy one. Okay. <laughs> The Hound is a fun goth romp where everybody dies at the end. <laughs> yeah, so now we have the lurking fear. Now we have the mole people. Um, okay, so the mole people, that's cool. Um, now, the classism is like real horrible. It's in this real one. bad. Like it actively distracts from it the It really story. does. And there's like some um, really good story too, which is what makes it a shame. I mean, I mean, wall pe- I mean, the mole people's idea was pretty I, good. I, I know the, we're, the I know we're making well. fun of mole people, but it was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that cliff. Oh my god, chapter two's cliffhanger was very good. I mean, the chapter three cliffhanger is pretty good yeah. too. And we just read past it because you know we were doing two of yeah. them. Yeah. Um. But yeah, chapter two's know. was like a gut punch. Like that was quite the ending to a chapter. Hmm. Okay, I will say that there's more of this story that is good than I think Beyond the Wall of Sleep, but Beyond the Wall of Sleep was short. So yeah. that's probably so. Um and the classism was a little spread yeah. out. It wasn't as concentrated at least. It had probably the same amount of classism as Beyond the Wall of Sleep. The problem is Beyond the Wall of Sleep was not very long. <laughs> yeah. So we can either put it above or below. I would put it above. Okay. Only because it's longer, so I I feel like the classism doesn't affect the story as much, but it still definitely drags everything down. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I don't know. But I think we're I pretty think much we done. I think we are. I don't right? think <laughs> I don't think we can make fun of mole people anymore. Yeah. I mean, that is a good pickup line if you <laughs> want to just like not date outside of outside of your uh outside of your race. <laughs> you know, yo, like, you want to make some mole people? <laughs> yeah. Do it. Go on Tinder and put that in your bio. Go on Hinge, yeah. put that in your bio. <laughs> and yeah. if anybody asks, be like, don't worry about it. Exactly. All right. 
Do you want to do any plugs? I'm going to be honest. I have a headache. Okay. So not uh, really. Yeah, I don't really have anything to plug right now <laughs> at the moment. Um, Just listen to, go listen to The Hound if you haven't. And if you've already listened to it, listen to it again. It's a fun gothic romp. And these stories are very similar. Yep. All right. Well, this has been Over at Innsmouth. And remember, you are an irreplaceable gash in the fabric of reality. Your keening static howl is like no other. And if it faded from the abyss, the void that would remain would be unfillable. And the mansions of silence would forever fill with our lament. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. language speak through fingers the awful edges where you end and I begin inside your mouth I cannot see there's catastrophe in everything I'm touching as I sweat and crush you and I hold your beating chambers until they beat no more Die like angels singing